Welcome to Tucumcari First Assembly's podcast. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. We are filtering through, going through the questions that you have. Hope to answer every single one of them. If not, on a weekend, personally, write to you or whatever. Um, We want to answer your questions. And at any time during this series or any other, should you ever have questions, please. There's no dumb questions, okay? We're here learning together, right? Right? Come on. We're here learning together. And if you're learning, you've got to ask questions in order to learn. And so I really, really encourage you to ask questions. It's so important. Today, we're, we're going to talk about one of the, the biggest questions that there is. This is a question that if, you, if you're around very long at all, doesn't matter if you're around church life, doesn't matter where you are, The question comes up is why do bad things happen? Now, the reality is a lot of us know why bad things happen, right? Why do people die because of drunk drivers? Why? Because a drunk driver. That's why. There's a lot of reasons why things happen, yes? But then there's just some things that you're just like, I don't understand. I don't understand. Many of you know, I, have, I had an identical twin brother that drowned when we were four years old. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Somebody wasn't watching. Can I say that out loud? But when I did, many of you instantly thought, I wonder who it was supposed to be. And all of a sudden, we shrink back from sometimes answering the questions that we know the answer to, yes? But a lot of things, there are logical reasons for them. But then there are other things that we just don't know. We just don't know why, right? Have you ever been in church and uh, the pastor said something like this? Um, the, The pastor said, at one point... He said, and very responsive, a lot of times, depending on your culture background and, and church, I mean, church background and, and culture. But if I was to say, God is good, what would you say? Go ahead, Bobby. God is good and all the time. Is he? You ready for a deep dive? Come on. Yes, he's good all the time. He's good all the time. I know that sometimes we think we should always have faith in the goodness of God, and we should have faith in the goodness of God, but I wonder if you, any of you are ever like me. There are moments when doubt comes, when you experience something or you're walking alongside someone who's experiencing something that just didn't seem fair. Let me move the fair word out of the way because I don't like that word because nothing's fair. Right? Come on. Right? You don't even want to live in a fair world. You want your family to exceed. You want your children advancing. You don't want fairness. So let's move fairness out of the way. Sometimes things just don't seem right. And at times we'll think 
God doesn't really feel good, does he? I know we're in a relationship with him, but there are times when it's like, I'm struggling with this. It could have been when you lost a job, or it could have been when you lost a parent, or parents split up. It could have been when someone walked away from you, or a loved one died. And you had the question, why, God, did you take, why won't you take away this physical pain? could be you're walking through something physical that is very difficult, or why am I still battling with anxiety and depression? I should be beyond this by now. Maybe it's, maybe it's just an ordinary everyday moment. Okay, God, I'm trying to do what's right. I go to church, I read my Bible, I spend time in prayer. I even give some, and I try to help other people. I'm trying to do what's right, but I'm just not happy. I'm just not happy. And at this point in my life, at this point with you, I thought I'd be so much happier than I am right now. Ever thought that? I have. Or if it's not any of those, maybe maybe you look at global issues. Anybody paid any attention to the global world today? It's a mess. Right? God, God, where are you when there's entire nations of children starving? I've talked a lot about my trips to Haiti. I think I've been to Haiti six times. I've done a lot of mission work there. We do a lot there in Haiti as a church. We do a lot as, as a fellowship. And uh, it's appalling to me that the, the nation of Haiti is in the shape that it's in, given the other side of the island is the Dominican Republic, where many people travel to for vacation, right? I promise you no one's vacationing in Haiti. There is no food there. It's not that they're poor. It's, it's not that they're lazy. It's that there is no food. You witness children literally dying, starving to death in, in the streets by Streets, I mean dirt roads. Why? God, I don't understand. How many of you have some questions? Why does the innocent suffer? If you've ever questioned the goodness of God, then I'm I'm really glad you're here because this is for you today. Okay, and I believe this is really going to be good for all of us. And I didn't give you notes today like I normally give you notes because... I want you to write down whatever God brings to your mind. And this isn't one of those messages where it's one, two, three, four. I don't have points. I just have some things to talk about. And I probably have more questions than I have answers today. I want to ask the question in a different way. Here's what I want to say. Why did God let it happen? Are you comfortable with that? I'm really not, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay? Why did God let it happen? Why did, why did, he, why did he let it? Can you pray with me? <laughs> Let's just pray right now. Lord, Lord, uh, I, I would ask that you would do what only you can do in this, in this moment, in this room, in this time that we have together. Thank you for the presence, your presence in this house as we worship you and honor you as we stand and sing, as we raise our hands and bow our hearts, and as we 
give you the opportunity, Lord, to impact our lives through worship. You truly inhabit this place. But God, I ask right now that you begin to heal hearts that are indeed broken by the questions of life that we don't really understand why we don't get the answers we are looking for. But maybe today in you, you'll give us the hope that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a question that people have had all my life. I've heard it. You've heard it. You've had conversations about it probably since the beginning of time it's taken place. In fact, 300 years before the birth of Jesus, there was a Greek philosopher named Epicurus who came to the conclusions about the nature of God concerning good and evil. And he he had two statements and a question. I'll give all of them to you today. He said this, If God is not able to prevent evil, if he can't stop bad things from happening, then God must not be all-powerful. That's what he said. He also said this, If God is not willing to prevent evil, he must not be all-good. That led him to this question that I will pose to you today. And he said this, If God is both willing and able to prevent evil, then why does evil still exist? Why does evil still exist? If God is all-powerful, right? If he can do anything, then why does evil still exist? And I would pose the question and, and kind of turn it in a different way. Why did God let it happen? Why did he let it happen? Today, as we, as we look to Scripture, we're going to see that evil and suffering are not, they're not contrary to the story of the Bible. Okay? In fact, what you'll discover is evil and suffering are central to the story of the Bible. And if there is one thing that I want to happen today, it is that through Scripture, I want you to see this big thought. That Christianity, okay, following Jesus, that's what Christianity is about, following after Jesus, that Christianity makes sense of and gives meaning to, and it offers a solution for the evil and suffering that we experience. Here's what I'm I'm saying. Following Jesus makes sense of, it gives meaning to, the, the, the evil in this world, it may, and it does it throughout the story of the Bible, throughout the scriptures. The Bible doesn't avoid pain. How many of you have read it? It doesn't avoid pain. There's pain from the beginning to the end. There's pain. There's pain. And suffering is a fact. If, in fact, if you, read, if you read through all the stories of the Bible, we'll see countless moments of pain and confusion. We'll see rage and suffering. We'll see just raw pain. Incredible amounts of pain. In fact, if we'll just look at four of them briefly this morning. Um, for, in the Old Testament, you find a guy named Jeremiah. How many, how many of you know a guy named Jeremiah? Yeah. Jeremiah, in the Old Testament, he's known as the weeping prophet. He's literally known for the amount of pain that he endured. Yes, one of the, my favorite one of my favorite leadership books is called is by a, a guy named 
Sam Chand, who now I call him a friend because I've met him twice. <laughs> and if I meet you a couple times, you're now my friend. No, but I actually have Sam's number and I, I've called him. He, he's a great guy. He's a leadership guy. He knows leadership backwards and forwards. He's an incredible man. Travels the world with John Maxwell and, and talks leadership. He's an incredible guy. He's an immigrant from India to the United States and has done a phenomenal thing and still continues to do that. That helps people go from where they are to where God's called them to be. Okay? And he's investing in my life even now. Okay? So he's an incredible guy. He wrote a book called Leadership Pain. And in his book, he says this. A leader will only get to a certain level and that level is determined by the amount of pain he's willing, he or she is willing to endure. Because leadership is painful. You can't get around it. It's painful. There's people that want to climb the ladder of leadership without any pain. They are delusional. Okay? They need to like teach kindergarten or color with friends. Come on, they need to do something different than climb, a, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's different than that. There's a guy in scripture, literally, he's known as the weeping prophet. His heart was so broken over, and he's crying out to God in grief because of the unrepentance of the people, and he's, his heart is broken. For years of his life, he's been trying to warn them, trying to give to give counsel to the people of the nation, and they won't listen. If you look at King David, if you look at David in the Old Testament, a man described as a man after God's own heart. He's a worshiper, right? He's a worshiper. He's a committed man of prayer. He's, he's trusted God again and again and again. And David even cries out at one point, God, are you even listening? Are you listening anymore? Do you even care? Why don't you come to my defense when I'm in trouble? Anybody ever said that to God? I said that to God this week. It's Sunday. That means earlier this morning. No, I'm just kidding. You're like, who is this guy? <laughs> but that's something often I'm thinking, hello? Right? If you flip over to the New Testament, one of the more troubling stories is John the Baptist. John the Baptist, his, his sole purpose was to prepare the way of the Lord, to prepare the way of Jesus, to, to, to go before Christ and tell people that this one is coming, the Messiah is coming. And he says, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals, right? He's, he's taken a, a, a level of humility, and that's who John the Baptist is. And, and, and then John, whose whole ministry and focus was to point to Jesus, he's wrongly arrested, accused and wrongly arrested. He's, when G, and, and, and when Jesus could have come and delivered him out of, out of prison, he doesn't. And John the Baptist is beheaded. A friend of Jesus. And you've got to wonder, why? Why would you let your friend lose his neck? When you could have just gone, right? The story of Lazarus, Jesus' good friend, Lazarus, right? His, the sisters, Mary and Martha, they, they send word to Jesus. Lazarus, our brother, is sick. He's very close with his family. And Jesus waits four more days. 
that instance, we know that when he gets there, he doesn't, he doesn't leave Lazarus dead. What does he do? He calls his dead body out of the grave. He resurrects something that had died. I think the most interesting and powerful example comes from the Old Testament in a prophet named Asaph. Asaph. Who's heard of Asaph, the prophet? Yeah, Mike. Awesome. A couple of you. Asaph, the prophet. and He, was, he wasn't only a poet and, and, and wrote some of the Psalms, but he was also a prophet. And he, was the, he was actually the leader of the choir in the tabernacle. So that, that means he was wearing skinny jeans and had a tattoo on his inner arms so that everybody could see that he had a past. Right? Oh, maybe not. I don't know. I love it. I just want you to picture this guy in skinny jeans with slick black hair. Slick back hair. This is what he did. He's very close to God, but he was, he said, I was starting to stumble. And he's complaining. Who's ever complained? A couple of us. Couple of us, your neighbor for sure. Not you, but your neighbor has. And he was he was complaining because those who seem to do wrong, the wicked actually, in this moment in his life, seem to be the ones getting all the blessings. He didn't understand where God was. Have you ever thought that, God? Why all these all these corporate scandal, all the Hollywood disaster mess, but they seem like they're so at least financially blessed, right? God, I don't get it. Look what he wrote in Psalm 73. Psalm 73, verse 11 and 12. He said, what does God know? What does God know? They ask, does the Most High even know what's happening? Psalm 73, 11 and 12. Does the Most High even know what's taking place? You ever, you, ever, you ever felt like that before? Anybody? God, are you paying attention? Right? I watched a... I watched a... A 1968, I believe it was, Camaro rolled down the road and stopped upside down and on fire with a 16-year-old kid inside, beating on the glass to try to get out. We could do nothing to help him. And I watched him burn to death with his hands on the glass. And I'm screaming, God, help me! Glass wouldn't break. We were hitting it with a bat. Why? What do you say to his father who pulls up, screaming for his son? There are no words. Asaph said, 
Does God even know what's going on? Verse 12, look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. You ever been through a season like that? Where you wake up and you're like, not again. This worship leader wonders, where is God and why is God letting these things happen? I want us to wrestle. How many of you have already, you already feel that today's going to be a little weighty? Pastor Derek hadn't dropped that many jokes yet today. There's not been a whole lot of humor, not a lot of levity to the, to the presentation up to this point. I'm just going to warn you, there's probably not going to be a whole lot more. But I do want us to wrestle with some very weighty questions. And I'm going to tell you up front that I'm not going to have clear answers to all of them. But I want us to wade into these questions and think. Are you ready to think? How many of you are ready to think? Sometimes we show up not ready to think. I want us to be ready to think. I want us make, and it's not about having clear answers to the questions. But I do want you to understand that God can handle your doubts. He has no problem handling your doubts. One of the most common questions that people from the beginning of time have asked is this. If God is a good God, If he is indeed loving, why would he allow suffering? If God is a good God, then why wouldn't he let someone who didn't do anything wrong go through what they're going through? Why would God allow it to happen? I want you to think, if God is loving, why would he allow suffering? Why would he do it? The answer is, no, the, the answer is, I'll tell you the answer to this question. And it is this. Write this down if you want to write something down. If love is a choice, suffering is a possibility. Period. If love is a choice, suffering is a possibility. It's not the answer you wanted, right? If it's possible to love, then it's also possible to hurt. Would you agree? Why? Please understand, the only way that love is possible is to have a choice to choose it. This is big. The only way that love is possible is that we have a choice to choose it. If God just snapped his fingers and made everyone love him, it wouldn't be love. Right? It'd be a decision made by God that we didn't have a choice to make. Right? But God gave us this thing, a theological term, called free will. He gave us a free will and choice that we get to choose. What does free will mean? Meaning, again, if, you, if you're taking notes, write this down. Free will is simply the ability to choose. That's what it is. I have the ability to choose. And one of God's greatest gifts is his ability to let you choose. But in that choice, understand... 
Love and suffering come with it. In other words, if you have the ability to choose love, then you also have the ability to choose hate. If you have the ability to choose what's right, you also have the ability to choose what is wrong. And that's what makes evil and suffering possible. Are you with me? So why did God give us free will then? The answer to that is, that is the only way that love is possible. The only way that love is truly possible is free will. If we didn't have the ability to choose, we we couldn't choose to love him. God desires our love. Amen? Right? Please understand, God didn't want to create a rock or a robot. Okay? He wanted to create you who he could have relationship with that gives you the free choice to love him or hate him accept him or reject him. What he wanted was that relationship. God is love and he wants us to receive his love and he wants us to choose to love him back for who he is. For who he is. How many of you want to love God for who God is? Let me ask you a question. How many of you want God to love you for who you are? Or do you want God to love the you that he created to be? to make that didn't ever choose anything evil. And the moment you stepped out of line, you're off the list. He can't love you anymore now. So you broke the commandments. You broke the covenant. You broke the, the agreement, the relationship. You severed it when you stepped out of line of what he's asked you to live like. Well, that wouldn't seem very loving now, would it? But instead, what did he do? He continues to choose to love us regardless of the evil that we've chosen. Come on. That is a loving, gracious God. Yes? When we choose evil, we choose what the Bible calls sin. And unfortunately, sin leads to pain and suffering. So does eyelashes in your eye, which I have right now. Mm. Leads to sin. It leads to pain and suffering. And, and, and so, for God, so for God to remove pain and suffering, he would have had to remove our freedom of choice. which would remove our ability to be loved and our ability to love in return. Or he would have had to make the choice to remove us altogether. Now, many of you today, you're like, I I just wish you would answer the question of like how to get along better with my wife. Look at me. This is easier. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, where's she at? She's out of town. And if I wanted her to know I said that, I'll tell her. Scratch it from the recording right there. All right, scratch it. Now, a question that people don't ask but that they should ask is this. If there is no God, 
then who decides that there is evil? If there's no God, then who's going to decide what is right and what is wrong? I'll give you an example. How many of you had a brother or sister? Raise your hand. How many of you liked them? A lot less hands. (laughs) One out of the three on the front row. (laughs) I have a sister named Amy, and uh, I did like her occasionally growing up. I think sometimes she liked me too. But Amy used to pick fights with me. And um, we'd be fighting, and then she would, she would, at some point in the fight, she would say this. She'd say, that's it, I'm telling. And she'd jump up and run like mad trying to get to my parents. And I would run and try to beat her. Right? And... <laughs> Imagine in that moment if there were no parents to run to and no rules at all. Who would say what is right and wrong? Who would say? In other words, there has to be an authority for there to be a standard. Write that down. There has to be an authority if there's going to be a standard. Look at me. You can't be the authority. If the standard's going to be a good one. You can be the authority. Because you have free will and choice. But the standard, for the standard to hold up, for the standard to be good, because here's what I know about you, because this is what I know about me, and we're, we're all real a lot alike. How many of you know that? And some of you are questioning, you're like, I'm not a lot like you. <laughs> Maybe not in some areas, but... Um, I know this, I know really often in my life that standards change if they're up to me. And I've observed that 100% of the time with every other human I've ever come into contact with. So if there's going to be an authority, there has to be a standard. And if there's, going, if there's no God, then there's no moral point of reference. If there's no God who determines what is good and evil, so if we're, 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 or who determines then? If there is no God, who determines if there's good and evil? So if we're going to look at this, we can't use good, we can't use evil and suffering as a proof that God somehow doesn't exist. The reality that we do believe in evil and suffering is proof that God does exist in almost all of our minds. That truly He does exist. Some people will say, well, if you're suffering, that means that God doesn't love you. What? (laughs) What we have to do is understand that suffering isn't evidence of a lack of love at all. And we all see this every day. A few months ago, I had surgery on my left knee. Okay? Let me ask you a question. Does the surgeon hate me? Yes or no? But he caused me pain. Why did he cause me pain? With, with the bigger desire to do what? To bring healing. Yes? Parents. How many of you are moms and dads in the room? Right? Um, 
when you bring discipline into your child's life, do you hate them? Well, why not? They don't get what they want. Do you exist, yes or no? Isn't it interesting? God, are you even there? And things aren't going my way? How weird would it be to hear from the back seat, God, I, I just don't know if they even exist. If my parents were good parents, they would give me ice cream right now. Like, what? Hello? And you slam on your brakes just to make sure they do know you exist. <laughs> Looky there, Tommy. Your nose is bleeding. Oh, no, too much? Too much. I just meant to tap. If you've ever been to physical therapy, you know that those people hurt you, right? They're mean little people. They stretch you further out than the physical body should ever be stretched. Why do they, do they enjoy watching you hurt? I think some of them do. I legitimately think there are some of them that went into the profession because, <laughs> right? <laughs> the deeper reason they do this is because they believe, listen to me, this is important, that something better is coming. Right? So if my knee wouldn't flex, right, then they've got to flex it so that I get more mobility back. Are you with me? Okay? So if you, if you ever go to a counselor and they take you back to a more difficult time in your memory or your childhood, is it because they're cruel? No, it's because they care about you and they believe by, getting you, by you going there and you finding some healing, their goal is to bring out something better for your future. Would you agree? Listen, the presence of pain isn't caused by the lack of love. In fact, oftentimes the presence of real pain is the evidence that real love exists. Some people ask this question, then why do bad things happen to good people? Who's heard that question? Yeah, we love to ask that question. Why does someone who didn't do anything wrong have something so bad happen and tragic happen in their life? And this is difficult to answer because none of you are going to like to hear what I have to say. Okay? But whenever we ask why do bad things happen to good people, we're never talking about ourselves. You've never asked that about you. The reason is that Scripture tells us that we're actually not good people. You might say, well, I've got a good heart. Well, I have a bad one. Um, because my heart's led me to do a whole lot of bad things, think horrible things, and every 
single one of us, according to Scripture, says that we've all fallen short. We've sinned and fallen short against God's standard, right? The book of Romans talks about our hearts are deceitful above all other things. The culture tells you to what? Follow your, yeah, the word of God says, no, it'll kill you. Um, in fact, the only one that ever lived that is truly good is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's the only good one that's really ever lived. So why do bad things happen to good people? Well, truthfully, something bad only happened once to one guy. His name is Jesus, and he volunteered for it to happen. The innocent one who never did anything wrong stepped out of heaven and came and took your punishment and your pain for your wrong and your evil when he had none. He's the only one that is good. Well, why did God do that? What, what, what did God do for us in that moment? What did, he, what did he do? God suffered for us. I want, you to, I want you to think about that. He suffered for us. He suffered for you. He surrendered the glory of heaven, was born into poverty. Jesus, see, we're talking. He was mocked as a bastard child, born of an unwed mom, rejected by those closest to him, and abandoned by all his friends. He's falsely accused, right? When he had done nothing wrong, falsely accused. He was wrongly imprisoned. And the only one that was good was beaten. The only one that was good suffered pain and loss and heartache and shame. Come on, somebody. And worst of all, the one who was good, the Lamb of God, according to Scripture, became sin for us. The innocent one took on the sins of the world to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven. Jesus did all of that for us. And in doing so, what did he do? He was separated from his father. Because he became sin on our behalf. And, and, and listen, after a lifetime of perfect intimacy with the father... He was separated and he cried out on the cross the same thing that you cry out when you ask this question. Why? Matthew 27, 46. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the New Living, it says, why have you abandoned me? That's what, that's what it feels like, right? People walk away. Where did you go? Why does it feel like you left me? Why, why, God, why have you forsaken me? I didn't do anything wrong. God, I've done everything. I served you faithfully. I've loved you. I've lived for you. My God, my God, why, right? Jesus did all that for us. He did it for you. And he felt more pain than we could ever feel. 
And God the Father watched as his innocent son suffered and died. And listen to me, listen to me. Why did God allow it? Why did he allow that? Why would God allow suffering? Why would he allow? There's no one in the room that would allow that to happen to your own kid. No one in the room. And here's what I'll have to say. I, I can't answer every question to every situation. Why are you going through what you're going through? I don't know. I don't know. If I knew the, more of the details of your situation, there'd probably be some logical answers, but they would just be logical answers. Why, why, according to Scripture, are you going through what you're going through? Well, if there's sin in place, then sin leads to suffering. So that, that makes sense. Why, did God, why didn't God do something? In the case of Jesus, while he's on the cross, why, didn't, why, did, why did something happen like that? Why is it happening with me? I don't understand. And the answer is this, listen. I don't know. But I do know what the answer is not. The answer is not that God doesn't love you. Are you hearing me? The answer is not that he doesn't love you because scripture is ridiculously clear when it comes to the love of God. John 3.16 says what? It says for, the, for God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. What did he give? His only begotten son, who should perish. Yes? Providing eternal life for who? For us who did wrong when his son did nothing wrong. How much does he love us? He loves you so much that he took your misery. He loves you so much that he took your suffering so seriously that he's willing to let his son take it upon him. Why? Because God knew, listen, that something better was coming. He knew that something better was coming. He knew something better was coming. He knew that it takes a death to have a resurrection. Come on, church. He knew a hurt had to happen for a healing to be in place. It takes a loss to overcome a loss to find vis victory. You with me? Sometimes it's out of bondage that you step in and find peace and freedom. And it's not until that bondage happens. He knew that even out of the darkness, he is so good and powerful that he knew that he could even bring good out of the bad. That's how good our God is. He knows in your life that something better is coming. Something better is coming. What, what does the Bible say? It doesn't say that you won't have a hard time. It doesn't say, it doesn't say that, that, that God will keep you from things that might crush you. It doesn't say those things. The Bible never said that you won't ever hurt. The Bible doesn't say that you won't go through difficult and unfair things. The Bible says that, that we will suffer and one day we will die. And the Bible says that one day we'll rise. And those who use our free will and choice to follow Jesus, to know him, to serve Jesus, to love him. The Bible says that we will meet him in eternal glory and one day you will suffer no more. That's what the Bible says. 
it says this, something better is coming. Revelation 21 verse 3, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death nor sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Because something better is coming. Imagine the presence, in the presence of loss. Oh wait, there's no more loss, right? There's no more sickness, there's no more rejection, there's no more heartache, no more grief, there's no depression whatsoever, there's no more crying yourself to sleep, there's no more pain. But ladies and gentlemen, listen to me, we're not there yet. It's not where we are. We're still in a sin-stained world where because love is possible, so is evil. And I think about people who have tragically experienced the pain of losing people that they love. How many of you have tragically lost people in your life that you love? All of us have. In that moment, I'm often called in that moment Pastor Derek, this has happened and my heart breaks. And I I really, I can't offer a whole lot other than I can pray with them. I can cry with them. You guys can go. I can pray with them. I can cry with them. I can be there for them. Come on, everybody. I can go do things for them. I can help them. But I can't take the pain away. It just doesn't leave because of someone's words. It doesn't leave because someone's presence. When I think about this, every time I think about it, I think of the image of a 17-year-old girl that I prayed with right here on a Wednesday night who I talked about the goodness of God and she responded to the altar call. She came forward and I prayed with her And she looked me in the face and she said, I hear what you're talking about, but I have no idea how good or bad a father is. Mine has raped me four times. I've had three abortions. I'll have another one this Friday. So you can keep your talk about how good God is, how good a father is. What do you say to 17 year old girl other than who's your daddy so I can alleviate the pain of the world from his existence come on what do you say to that child got a phone call this week Jana Rogers, Jackson's roommates at school in Portales were coming home from a concert in Oklahoma City. Drunk driver hit him on I-27 on McCormick Road in Amarillo and killed him instantly. What do you say to a young college student whose best friends are instantly taking, taken from this world? 
aren't any words. There's no words that can take away that pain. What do you say to a mama who's carried a baby to full term and the baby's stillborn? What do you say to my friend Todd who has raised his family? He's got two sons who now graduated from West Point and he's dying from Crohn's disease and probably won't see either of them marry. Or hold his grandkids. What do you say to my dad today? Who at this very moment... holding my grandfather's head in his hands after 104 years of incredible impeccable fatherhood godliness leadership and love it's a good day today's the last day good chance answer those questions and when those feelings rise up we often say God must not be good listen don't judge God on a moment of pain that you're walking through listen to me when in the middle of your grief you might not feel good. But if you walk with him over a lifetime, you will see his faithfulness and you will conclude that God is good all the time. Come on. That our God is good. Remember Asaph? The guy who said, God doesn't even know what's happening. The guy who said, why did I keep my heart pure for nothing? I've got trouble all around me. The morning brings nothing but pain. This is what he said after walking with God over a lifetime. Psalm 73, 16. When I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. Until I entered the sanctuary of God. then I understood their final destiny listen to me there were things on this world that will never make sense until we look in the face of Jesus and it will all be clear like God into his goodness, Asaph said, till his grace sustained me. And he said this, Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I didn't understand it and I didn't like it until I entered the sanctuary of God. 
until I entered the presence of God. So I came here today, ladies and gentlemen, to tell somebody that the problem with evil and suffering is not contrary to the story of the Bible. In fact, the Bible, it is central to the story of the Bible. Christianity makes sense of, gives meaning to, and it offers a solution to the evil that suffering that we experience so for those of you who are suffering right now for those of you who are hurting I want you to know listen to me God hurts with you that's who he is a friend experiences what you're experiencing he hurts with you come on somebody today and you're wondering, if you're hurting and you're wondering where is God just remember you're living in the not there yet of life you're not there yet the good news is by the grace and the power and the goodness of God, something better is coming yes? something better is coming, God is good God is good and all the time. Can we pray together today? Heavenly Father, we love you. We're honored to be in this house. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love. do in this place in the hearts of people what none of us could do but you can only do if you're here today and you're experiencing something that you don't like and you wish God would change it maybe you're here and it doesn't it just doesn't seem fair and you don't understand but today your your heart's really saying God I need I need help I need your help I need I, I need something I need I need someone's help in this moment you would just ask, you would just, today, you're just like, you know what? Maybe you've tried everything else. Maybe you've, maybe you've asked God for help a dozen times. Can I encourage you to ask for his help one more time? If that's you, raise your hand all over this room. You're hurting, there's suffering going on. There's things going on in your life. Raise your hand all over the room, all over the room. Yeah, hands going up everywhere. Come on, raise them up, raise them up, raise them up, raise them up. Yes, 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 yes. What you're doing is this. God, I need you. I need help. I don't I can't explain it all. I, I don't understand what's going on. I don't know why life is like what it is. But God, I need you. I, I hope you hear that today's been a little different for me. My heart's a little bit heavy. God, I know that you hurt when your kids hurt. That's the kind of father you are. And with the limited mindset of human reasoning, I wouldn't even attempt to offer a reason why. For those of you here today, I would cry with you. And I would 
I would encourage you to push into the presence of God in the middle of the heartache and the pain and let God reveal his goodness to you. If you're ever going to know his goodness, you're going to know it in the middle of the pain. So, Father, we ask that you would heal hearts. God, we ask right now that you would, like a father's arms, just reach around us and hold us in. That you would heal the pain. That you would speak to the existence of the pain. That you would reassure every single person that's walking through the suffering that they're not alone today. You know, can we all stand? Can we all just stand? Here's what I want you to do. If you said a moment ago, you know what? I want to ask God to help me in this moment. I want you to slip out of your seats and come to the front of this auditorium. I want you to come. We're going to pray for you. We're just going to have prayer. I want every single one of you that responded a moment ago, you raised your hand and said, you know what? I'm walking through some suffering. I'm walking through some pain. I'm walking through some answers I don't have. I just I just want, I just, I just ask God for God's help right now. You just ask for God's help. Don't don't neglect the saying, I need help. God, I need help. Here's the deal. You might have tried it every other way. Would you just just ask the Lord for help? I left the office last night about 10 till 12, midnight. I just felt like that today God was going to bring some healing to people that need healing, that respond to healing, that desire a a moment with the Lord that you know that he's walking with you. You may not receive the completeness of the healing today and your heart's broken, there's pain there, and you're going to leave here and not feel it ever again, but today you're going to leave here knowing that God is with you and that you're not alone and that God has something better for you. So if you're here, would you pray for those that are have come today in, in response of saying, God, my heart's hurting. God, we just desire your presence. We desire, we desire your voice in our lives. We desire to hear your word directly from your heart. Oh, God. that you're bringing about healing, that you're bringing about wholeness, that you are, you, you are resurrecting the dead places in our lives and you are changing how we necessarily be, that everything changes overnight, but how we approach it's going to change because we know that you're with us. So God, we cry out to you. And we say, help us. Help us, Lord Jesus. Feel our pain. We know that you do. You're a good father. But heal the hurt, God. Heal the hurt. And reassure us that you're with us along the way. That 
we won't suffer again alone, but that we'll be with you. Even when the pain comes, we'll be with you. And with you, all things are possible. With you, all things are possible. Come on. Come on, say that over yourself. With God, all things are possible for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, by the power of your healing hand. Would you touch every single person today? Let their hearts know and respond to the fact of your goodness and your grace, your mercy and your love over their lives and let us choose you. It's in your strength in which we walk. It's in your strength, oh God. So we trust you now. Come on, don't respond to the pain. Respond to him. God, we trust you now. We receive the healing that we need. Come on, if that's you, just ask the Lord. Just respond to him and say, God, I receive what you have to share with me today. It may be an encouragement to be faithful to coming to him when you are hurting. Everything else, what is it for you? God, I receive. Come on, all over this church. I receive, God. I receive the healing that you have for me. I receive the faith that you impart to me. I receive and I walk in it. I walk in it, Lord Jesus, knowing you're leading me. Thank you for listening with us today. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.